Good morning. It is so good that you can join us. You know, many of you will now be familiar that we're working on a building to provide a springboard for us to serve the city and to seek to meet some of the pressing needs of the area, particularly around child poverty. Well, at some point we'll give you a bit of an update on that. Honestly, so much is happening so fast. So many of the doors that are opening, I have no other words to describe it other than to say they're kingdom moments. There are God opportunities happening right now. But what I wanted to say about it was that Steph and I had the seed in our heart about this building and we shared it with our trustees back in January 2018. And as we walked out of that room, we walked into a room where there was a team of people prophesying over church leaders. And as we sat down, a guy came up to us who we'd never met before and he said, I've been praying for you and your church for over eight months. You know, when someone says that, you're kind of like, wow, really? Thank you. And um, then, then he said, anyway, he said, are you thinking of getting a derelict building in a predominantly Muslim Pakistani area? I think it's the Lord saying, go for it. And um, some, sometimes you just get a game changing moment. And that was one of them. Anyway, why do I tell you that? Well, because at the time I didn't really know that guy. But this last week, he sent me a message early on Tuesday morning, I read it, and he said, this is Manchester. We do things differently here. Tony Wilson, Paul and Steph, I'm finding my prayers and my thoughts turning towards you, your amazing city and your church. In fact, I just want to encourage you all that many voices all over the vineyard this week have been in touch to say they're praying for us. This is a particularly challenging time. I love being part of a wider family. We've got people praying for us, standing alongside us and cheering us on. Anyway, he said this, he said, when Tony Wilson said those iconic words, he introduced the Pistols, who sparked off a musical and an arts creative explosion that spread all over the world. Manchester wasn't so much the platform as the launch pad. My prayer is this, Jesus, do it again. The quote wasn't an arrogant comment, it was prophetic. Our vineyard so needs you, Manchester, to be different in that tradition again and show us a shape of the age to come. My prayers are with you. Go again, Manchester Vineyard. You know, does, does, that, does that resonate for you? Honestly, I'm crying out for a move of God that hearts and minds would be prepared, that the ground, the soil would be turned, that there would be among us as well a release of the music and the arts and the creativities that would birth something beyond human, compre human comprehension. How many times have I, have we cried out in our time, in our day for a move of the Father? Well this week I think so much has been stirring among us, so many I've seen it, so many challenges, so, many, so much pain for so many, not, not because of the, the pandemic, not because of what's going on in, in the politics of the whole thing, but just the clash of the kingdoms. And then in this city, so much deep division and complicated realities for so many. I read this this week and it was so wonderful and refreshing. Psalm 121, I look up to the mountains does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself 
watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. Where, where does your, where does my help come from, my hope come from, our strength, our resolve, our perseverance, our faith? Where does it come from? Where does our ability to stand firm in a time when <coughs> things have been shaken? My help comes from the Lord, the creator of the heaven and earth. Our help and our hope are found in him and him alone. We, we can't put our hope or our trust in anything else or anything less than God and God alone who created the heavens and the earth. You know, a few weeks ago I started a series, I'd encourage you to catch up if you missed any, but the series is called Clash of the Kingdoms. We've been reflecting on spiritual warfare and the third part I want us to reflect on today is this, it's the fight for the mind. Our minds are a key battleground when it comes to the enemy. You know, in the Garden of Eden, um, he questioned Eve. He said, did God really say that? You know, and it worked. That is a line that has worked ever since. The devil often tries to sow doubt into our thinking by questioning what God has said. If he can get us to doubt God's word, whether it's the Bible or a word of direction that God has spoken of over us by other means or other people, he will effectively disable us. Do you, do you see that he might want to try that? that he might do that. That's why Paul was so adamant about controlling our thought process. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty powers, not worldly weapons, to knock down, knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I love that final phrase there. You know, like, Paul, we're, we're merely, merely weak humans. We don't need to use human plans and methods to win our battles. God's mighty weapons are available to us as we fight against the devil's strongholds. Paul uses mainly almost military terminology to describe this warfare against sin and against Satan. God's got to be the commander-in-chief. Even our thoughts must be submitted to his control as we live for him. Spirit-empowered believers must capture We've got to capture every thought and we make it obedient to Jesus. I've always loved that verse at the end of that passage because it doesn't say, oh, it's just going to come easily. It's just going to happen. It's just going to align. It says we have to capture our rebellious thoughts and teach them. We have to force them to be obedient to Jesus. You know, when exposed to ideas and opportunities that might lead to the wrong desires, we have a choice. We can recognise the danger and turn away, or we can allow unhealthy thoughts to take us captive and to grip us and to take hold in our lives. You capture your fantasies and desires when you honestly admit them to the Lord and you ask him to redirect your thinking. I'd encourage you, I'd encourage us to ask God to give us a spirit of discernment to keep our thoughts focused on truth. 
you might have to capture them. In fact, I know you will. You'll have to force them to align. Goodness me, I'd say that now more than ever. You know, how, how are you doing with your mind? Where do your thoughts go? If you're, if you're reading more news than Bible, you're going to have a battle on your hands. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He puts a guard over your mind, over your heart, if we let him, if we invite him to do that. Equally, if he, if he guards us, free, free guesses what the enemy is trying to do. If we need the guard, well, why is that that we need the guard? Because the enemy is trying to pick us off and scratch away at us. You know, I'm, I'm so careful. Who do I chat with? When do I chat with them? What do I watch? What do I read? What's the story and the narrative that is influencing my mind? Because I know that the enemy wants to take ground and he goes for our minds. Verse 8 goes on to say this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I'd, yes and amen. You know, I'm sure we'd all say that to that. Yes and amen. That's what we want to do and that's what we want to be. But do we? What's the thing that dominates the landscape of our mind. That passage says, fix your thoughts. If you, you know, if you had 10 minutes to just spare in your life and you were daydreaming, where would your thoughts go? It says, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. We want to fix our thoughts on something that's going to transform us. So when, when anything else pops into our head, when worry pops into your mind, well, I haven't got headspace for that. You know, I, I haven't got mind space for that because my thoughts are fixed on something else. Whatever pops into your head that isn't in line and isn't true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, it needs to be taken captive so that we can fix our thoughts back in the right place. The enemy is trying to reduce you and often he does that by attacking our mind because ministry begins with an idea or a vision or a plan or a dream of a greater reality. And if the devil can disrupt and interrupt that in that stage and in that part, then he wins the battle. Where is he trying to win a battle over your mind? Can you call that out? Can you foresee that? Can you look at that, consider that and try and um, step against it and stand against it? Can you put the guard up over your heart and over your mind. Colossians 3 2, set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. We fix our thoughts. 1 Peter 1.13, so think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. This means being mentally alert. You know, think clearly is fix your thoughts. Don't don't give the, the, don't give ground to the enemy. Don't give him a foothold in your thinking. Think clearly. Be alert. Then it says, be disciplined. You know, exercise self-control. We take captive. We fix our thoughts. And then what do we do? We stay focused. We look forward. That's what it means. Look forward. Think clearly. Exercise self-control and look forward. Three steps in the reality of having a, a mindset that is fixed on the things of heaven. Because emotions can't be our gauge. 
They can be a guide, but they're not our gauge. We're not controlled by them. And at times we have to take them captive. Most of us have a lot, of, a lot on our mind in, in normal times. I mean, pre-pandemic, we were bombarded by the information age. Many of us would have 25 things bouncing around our minds at any one time. And somehow within that, we're supposed to squeeze in Jesus. We're supposed to fix our thoughts. Honestly, we, we can't do that if we've got all of that bouncing around. I believe we should be training our minds to be thinking from a kingdom perspective first and foremost and let everything else filter through that because we're fixing our minds on the things above. You know, A.W. Tozer, I've referenced him before, remarkable evangelist and, and prophet. He said, Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of God's word. Which, which do we read more, news or Bible? life and culture or Bible, context and circumstances and challenges and difficulties and even the joys of life around us or Bible, which is the thing that filters and influences our minds because Satan's great, greatest weapon is man's ignorance of God's word. What are we most shaped by? We want to be shaped by the life and the teaching and the truth of Jesus. Can I just jump on a little bit and go off on a slight tangent? But when considering an assault on our mind, can we just reflect on doubt for a minute? I think this might be helpful for some of you because I think this is something that the enemy really goes after and he does it through our minds. We often use the phrase, I've often used the phrase, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. You know, what, what does that mean? Well, our, our belief in Jesus, who he is, and what the Bible says about our identity and the authority of Jesus are true. And what the enemy says is a lie. But doubts can worm their way down into our thinking and into our hearts, and it can cripple us. Alongside that, many are also um, often crippled by, by pain of stuff that's been spoken over them by influential people in their lives, be it a teacher or a parent or, I mean, it, other influential people, it pains me to say it, but church leaders. You know, when people can become locked into a pattern of rejection or belief in what is actually an untruth. Doubt isn't a sin in and of itself, but it is the enemy of faith. Doubt isn't often the problem. The problem often is believing the wrong things. You know, that's often a greater challenge. Doubt is universal. At times all of us will experience doubts. We will experience those times or moments or season where, where God's God doesn't almost meet our expectations or what we were thinking might have been or might have happened. Pete, Peter had those moments. Thomas became fo famous for those moments. You know, and what, what about John the Baptist? He was locked up in Herod's prison cell. John began to doubt. He realised that he might die there. He began to wonder why Jesus hadn't done anything to help him. John was helping others. And yet now he's locked in this dungeon. I don't, I don't know, have you ever had a moment like that where the enemy can really begin to scratch and just probe at your mind? You're giving, you're helping, you're serving, you're doing, 
and yet you're also under unrelenting strain and pressure yourself. You're getting bombarded from all angles and it seems maybe that others aren't. You're helping others but nobody is helping you and the enemy just starts to sow a seed of doubt in your mind. The, the fog and the smoke screens come up and the frustration, the isolation and the doubt increase. The enemy goes after our minds in those moments. Can you call that out? Can you see that? Can we see that that's what he does? You know, I don't fit in. This isn't right. They don't get me. Those kind of thoughts and feelings, little words or comments that start to get a hook in a heart. The roots of pain that start to cause difference and where we see difference that then starts to grow. I think, honestly, I think John would have been going through some of this in the prison cell. So what does he do? Well, he sends his friends to ask Jesus, Matthew 11, verse 3. He's feeling some of that, and he asks his friends to ask Jesus. And it says, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? That's what he sends them to ask. You know, if, if anyone knew that Jesus was who he said he was, you would have thought it would have been John. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that? Because surely he would have heard his mother Elizabeth and his aunt Mary sharing stores, stories of when uh, they were pregnant and how the Holy Spirit spoke to them about who Jesus was and who he would become. And John had also led the way in proclaiming, we see it in Mark 1, preparing the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist and he was in the wilderness and preached that the people would be baptised to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to, be, to God to be forgiven. We see that in Mark 1. Jesus had then seen the Holy Spirit rest on him and heard the Father affirm him. Matthew 3.13, so John agreed to baptise him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And yet now in this moment, his experience has caused him to wonder and to doubt. Is this the one? Did I, did I miss it? Did I get it wrong? Do you see how sneaky the enemy can be? He starts to undermine, he starts to just bring a fog and a confusion and sow a seed of doubt. How he tries to play games with our mind. Put a guard over the heart and your mind because that's what the enemy tries to do. There will be times in our lives when our unmet expectations or whatever it might be will cause us to ask questions. In those times it's imperative to know what we believe and to believe what we know. You know Jesus' response to John was go back, sorry to the, to the people that John sent to Jesus, was go back and report to John what you see and hear, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy have been cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Matthew 11, that's where, that's where we see that. When doubt begins to grip our hearts and squeeze our belief, it's good to review how Jesus has been faithful to us in the past. I'd always encourage you to do that. We often seek to do that. That's why we tell stories of what the Lord is doing, because we celebrate what he's doing. We look back and by looking back, we can look ahead. Times he's healed us, cared for us, provided for us, freed us of bondage. John 20, 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. 
was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said to them. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas said. You know, if doubt leads to questions and questions lead to answers and if the answers are accepted then doubt has done a good work when you doubt i want to say don't stop there let your doubt deepen your faith as you continue to search for answers can i encourage you to look back spend some time looking back today in our own home spend some time in the presence of god take the lord's supper in your own home. 1 Corinthians 11 says, do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. I love that phrase though, do this in remembrance of me. To remember what God has done for us will help free us from doubt and help move us forwards with a kingdom-focused mind. Jesus answered John's doubts by pointing to the acts of healing the blind man, the lame, the deaf, the the, the curse on the lepers, raising the dead and preaching the good news to the poor. You know, with so much evidence, Jesus' identity was obvious. If you sometimes doubt your salvation, the forgiveness of your sins or the work of God in your life, look at the evidence in the Bible and the change in your life and the lives of those around you. When you doubt, don't turn away from Jesus. I want to say turn to him. Doubt your doubt. Stick your fingers in his side. I know for many of you, you'll be wondering, Paul, hang on a minute, why why are you spending so much time talking about doubt? When we're just talking about a clash of the kingdoms, well, actually, I, I, I just believe it's part of the fight for our minds. That's what I want to talk about this morning, because the, de- the enemy seeks to sow seeds of doubt. He seeks to do all kinds of things, but often it's a fight for our minds. A key battleground is the mind when it comes to the work of the enemy. If he can cause you to doubt your faith, he'll reduce what God has called you out for and called you to. The devil often tries to sow doubt in our thinking by questioning what God has said. I want to pray that the peace of God, as I mentioned earlier from that passage, the peace of God which surpasses all human comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I hope that's helpful to reflect on this morning. Why don't, why don't we just pray together? Let's have a moment. You want, might want to close your eyes if you're not driving. <laughs> I feel like I need to say that now. Just allow the Spirit of God to rest on you afresh. It's not that He's not already here, but we're people that leak and we need refilling and we need refilling and we need refilling. So, Lord, we welcome you. Come on us. As a, come on us as a church, as a collective, but come on us as individuals, Lord. Come and anoint and empower and equip. We, we just want to remain in your presence. You 
you know, just as we do, as we do that. I, I, I just feel I want to say, I've, some of you, if, if, if you've been having doubts, if you've been struggling, I want to say what I've said this morning was not to condemn you. If you feel that, honestly, that's the, the enemy condemns. Jesus comes to free and save. Please don't hear those as words as condemnation. Hear them as moments of liberation and freedom. Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak into the doubt. We don't, we don't debate truth, we gaze upon it, Lord. We want to gaze upon you afresh this morning. You are truth. I pray that you would reveal the way, the truth and the life to those that have grappled and struggled and this has been a burden. But Father, I pray for our minds this morning. I feel like some of you are, is, I, this is a strong word, but I want to use the word tormented in your mind. It's like the, the enemy goes after your thinking. Just little, almost voices and struggles and scratching at your thinking. Not just through doubts, but all sorts of things. Lord, I just pray for freedom over us this morning. You put a, a hedge around us, a wall around our hearts and minds. Freedom comes from knowing you. The Lord, speak truth. Settle. Settle our minds. So I think some of you, it's, it's almost like he's robbed you of elements of your, your faith. even faith for healing, faith for miracles, faith for all that he would even have a plan for you, for your identity, that you would have a purpose of your worth. Remember the, the Spirit of God descended on Jesus when he was baptised, this is my son whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. That allow him just to speak the truth of affirmation over you again, to be fathered, to be secure in the identity of, of who you are of who he created, the creator of the heavens and the earth, created you with plan and purpose. Lord, come. I just believe there's just a wind and a wave of the Spirit on us this morning that he wants to bring fresh revelation and truth. Some of you are going to want to reach out to others. You know, don't, don't neglect that. Stay connected. Ask others to pray for you. Will you pray for me? Pray for me. If you don't know who to pray for, will you pray for me and Steph this morning, please? We need your prayers. Will you pray for each other? They reach out to someone and say, will you pray for me? Can Even over the phone, can you just pray for me now? Will you stand alongside me and minister the truth of Jesus to me? Will you text somebody this morning and encourage them? If, if, if you don't have those people in your life, get in touch. We'd love to connect you with a group of people who would love to pray for you this morning. Jesus, we welcome you. Don't rush. Don't rush what he's doing. Who is speaking things to you this morning? Spirit of God. We'll leave you just with some gentle music playing as you do that. Bless you.